Grab your Bibles. Grab your Bibles and turn with me to Hebrews chapter number 9. Hebrews chapter number 9. If you remember while you're turning, uh, we, we have been going through the, the book of Hebrews, a letter written to a group of Jewish believers who were being persecuted. They were going through great trial of affliction, going through difficulty, and they were being tempted to go back to the old ways, go back to Judaism, go back to the tabernacle. Uh, the tabernacle was still standing at this time. It had not been destroyed by Titus yet. Listen, and, and so they were, it, it would just be easier to go back to the old ways. And I'll tell you what, sometimes, sometimes it's the same way now. It's the same way now. You think, man, I didn't have this much trouble when I was lost. But, but listen, what you have now is better than what you had then. Amen. All right. Well, let's do this. Let's, let's read a verse or two, and uh, I'll let you sit down. We're not going to read the whole chapter, uh, just a couple, and then we'll get started. Then verily the first covenant had also ordinances of divine service and a worldly sanctuary. For there was a tabernacle. That's good. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for all that you do. Thank you for your blessings. Thank you for all the people that are here. Lord, we are hungry for your word. And Lord, I pray that you'll teach us tonight. Build us up. Edify us, Lord. I pray that your perfect will be done. I don't have the ability to do this. Lord, I have to have you. I have to have your help and your presence and your touch and your anointing. And, Lord, I pray that you'll fill me with your Holy Spirit. Control every word that I say. And, God, I pray that your perfect will be done. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people say it. You may be seated. You may be seated. We, really, we could stop at the word sanctuary. Sanctuary. We're going to cover the whole chapter, but the chapter has to do with a better sanctuary. Uh, if, you, if you remember, just as the uh, brief review... Uh, these, these, these Hebrew baby Christians who are really, some are not even baby Christians because he said you've been saved long enough, you ought to be teachers, uh, but you have need that someone teach you again, you know, the very basics, uh, and they, they were neglecting the word, they were neglecting worship. Uh, they were uh, uh, forsaking the assembling of themselves together. And so because of all those things, it leads to difficulty. It leads to struggle. And so uh, we find that he is explaining in great detail uh, of why what they have now is better than what they had then in the Old Testament, in the old way of Judaism, in the old tabernacle worship. Uh, these three chapters kind of go together, chapter 8, chapter 9, and chapter 10. Uh, in chapter 8, we find there's a better covenant, a better covenant. How many of y'all are glad we're in the New Testament? The Old Testament, the Old Covenant, uh, the Old Covenant was if you do this, then I will do this. If y'all remember this? If you do this, I'll bless, 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 bless. How many of y'all remember that? I'm going to see if you do remember it. But if, if you don't do this, I will. Oh, you remember. You remember. And it was all based on the ability of man to follow through on his end of the bargain. Did man have that ability? No. They failed miserably. They failed miserably. Uh, th there was not a weakness in the old covenant because the law was 
a problem or the law was bad. The law was perfect. He said the problem was the people not having the ability to keep it. Now, let me say this again. Let me say this again. Uh, because I really emphasized that last week uh, on purpose, so you would you would you would get this. Because a lot of people they think when okay, you have the Old Testament, the New Testament. The, the word testament and covenant is interchangeable. Same thing. The old covenant and the new covenant. Well, we need a new covenant because the old covenant didn't work. That's not accurate. That's not accurate. The problem wasn't with the covenant. The problem was that with the ability of the people to keep it. Now, now, watch this now. It, there, there are a lot of times when you read Scripture or when you hear people teach Scripture, it's almost like God made a covenant with people and they failed in that covenant and, 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 and did not hold up their end of the bargain. So God said, well, that didn't work. Let's try this. Like, like Jesus was... Uh, backup plan. Well, let me help you with that. Jesus was not a backup plan. Jesus was the plan from the very beginning of time. Now you say, then why do we have the old covenant? Why do we have the law? Why did God give the law? This is a, this is a great question. Why did God give the law if he knew that they couldn't keep it? Why did God give the law if he knew that they couldn't keep it? Here's the, here's the reason. Everybody look at me. Everybody look at me. Because they didn't know they couldn't keep it. They have to understand their need for a Savior. You cannot get saved unless you understand you are. Now, the law, the law shows you the condition of your heart. When you, God says, okay, okay, you want to you approach me, you want to get to me, the, the, way, the only way that you can get to me is complete perfection. You got to keep this set of rules, you got to keep this set of laws, and if you break one, you're a lawbreaker. Now, let me, let me say this in because it's on my, I seen somebody post this today, and I shouldn't even, I shouldn't even been on social media today because I was going like my hair, and if you see blue and purple on my hands, I was plumbing today, and I'm not a plumber. So it, it, this was this has been a day. I'm telling you, this has been a day. Uh, but that 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 phrase in 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 James where he says, if if you break one law, you're guilty of them all. That's not saying that's not saying that all sin is the same. I've heard people say that. Well, well, a, a little white lie is the same as homosexuality or adultery or that is that is completely. That is completely not what God is saying right there. If you break one, you're a lawbreaker. That's what it's saying. You're a lawbreaker. It's not equalizing sin. How many of y'all heard people say that? Maybe you said it or posed it. Well, all sin is equal in God's eyes. That's not true. If that was true, there wouldn't be different consequences for different sins. Different sins receive greater consequence. There were some sins that you had to bring a sacrifice to the tabernacle for, and there were other sins they drag you out the, the out of the camp and stone you to death. Now, you tell me them are the same? That's not what he's saying. He's saying, if, if you cannot follow the law, you're a law which makes you a, a sinner. And if you're a sinner, you need a 
And so the temple, the tabernacle, and everything we've been reading about and what we're going to read about today is God showing you, hey, I got good news. I'm going to send a Savior. But see, it wouldn't matter if he sent a Savior if they didn't realize their need for one. Are you all with me? The Bible says he did not give the law to save you because the law cannot save you. Without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sin. He sent the law to show you, it says, and it used the word schoolmaster, to lead you, point you to Christ. There's so much typology in the Old Testament, so many types, so many pictures, so many figures. You'll see that word here in Hebrews, the figure of what's to come. This is the type. Jesus is the reality. The Old Testament, you remember what we learned uh, uh, yes, not yesterday, last week, uh, last Wednesday, that, that, that the, the, the tabernacle that Moses built in the wilderness was just a type or a figure or a pattern of the, the original. This is a copy of the original. Are y'all with me? And so that's what we're going to kind of look at tonight. I know I'm, I'm, I'm going, I'm running a rabbit, but it's okay. We'll, we'll shoot it in just a minute. It's important for you to see this. There's so much of this. Last week, last week, we found there's a better covenant. There's a better covenant. The old covenant was based on man's faithfulness. The new covenant is based on God's faithfulness. The, the old covenant was based on man's ability to keep the law. Listen, the new covenant is God putting the law in our heart. Not on the outside, not on tables of stone, but putting it on the inside. Listen, how many of y'all have figured this out that you can't control people by laws? You can't. From external laws, you can't control anybody. So how do you know if the speed limit is 50 miles an hour, what are you doing? Don't lie, people. You're going to do 55. If you pass the thing that says don't touch wet paint, what are you doing? If you pass the sign that says don't walk on the grass, what are you doing? You know what? Those, all those were laws. Now watch this. According to scripture, those laws stirred up sin in you. That law just revealed that we're sinners. Are y'all with me? And so the law was never given. The old covenant was never given to save you, to deliver you. It was given to show you of what was coming. Are y'all with me? And that was Jesus. So chapter 8, a better covenant. Chapter 9 tonight, we're going to see a better sanctuary. A better sanctuary. There was probably... There was probably not a single thing in Israel that, that the, the Jewish people took more pride in than their tabernacle or their temple. Uh, I mean, this was, this was the crown jewel of everything. Uh, when they were going through the and, and uh, the Bible says that when the, when the queen of Sheba came to Solomon, how many of y'all remember that? She said, I've done heard all these things and I've heard it and I've heard it. I've got to see it with my own eyes. And she comes and he blows her mind with all of his wisdom, all of his wealth, everything that he has. And this is what, this is what she said. 
She said, I thought I was, I, th I thought I'd seen it all. But when I went to the house of God, when she went to the temple, it says she didn't have any words. It took her breath away. Why? She'd been in temples before. She was a queen of Sheba. She'd been in temples all the time and, and a lot of places all, probably all over that part of the world, but she had never been in a temple with a glory cloud in it. Are y'all with me? The Shekinah presence of God. So how do you know that? Because I ain't but one. And all God's people say it. Now let's do this. Let's talk about this, this better sanctuary. This better sanctuary, this holy place. This holy place. <clears throat> Now, we're going to see two things. First, we're going to see the inferiority, the inferiority of the old covenant, or excuse me, the old sanctuary. And then the latter part of the chapter, we're going to talk about the superiority of the heavenly sanctuary. Are y'all with me? Verse, verse one, verse one. Then verily the first covenant had also ordinances of divine service and a worldly sanctuary. For there was a tabernacle, there was a tabernacle made, the first wherein was the candlestick, the table, the showbread, which is called the sanctuary. And after the second veil, the tabernacle, which is called the holiest of all, which had the golden censer and the Ark of the Covenant overlaid round about with gold, wherein was the golden pot that had manna, and Aaron's rod that budded in the tables of the covenant. And over it were the cherubims of glory, shadowing the mercy seat of which we cannot speak particularly. We cannot now speak particularly. I mean, he's getting pretty deep just as it is uh, with these Christians that are immature. So he says, we're, we're going to just hold up right here. This is all you need to know about this at this point. Are y'all with me? Say amen. amen. Now, verses 1 through 5. <clears throat> verses 1 through 5. Uh, well, let me keep reading. Let me keep reading. We'll, we'll, we'll stop at verse 10 and then, and then start. Uh, now, when these things were thus ordained, the priests went always into the first tabernacle, accomplishing the service of God. But in the second, went in, in other words, they went into the holy place, and then the second behind the veil is the holy of holies, right? The holy place, the holy of holies. One was the tabernacle, you could call the other the sanctuary, but the one, the first one that they went into, uh, they ministered all the time. The other is where they can only go one time a year, right? And I'm going to show you all a picture in just a second, so we'll, we'll get to that. Now, when these things were thus ordained, the priests went always into the first tabernacle, accomplishing the service of God. Verse 7. But into the second went into the high priest alone, only once a year, not without blood, which he offered for himself and for the heirs of his people. The Holy Ghost, this signifying that the way into the holiest of all was not yet made manifest. While as the first tabernacle was yet standing, which was a figure for the time then present in which were offered both gifts and sacrifices that could not make him that did the service perfect as pertaining to the conscience. Well, that's a big key in a minute. Which stood only in meats and drinks and divers washings, carnal ordinances imposed on them until the time of reformation. In other words, outward ceremonial washings and things to, to, to keep and to follow. Are y'all with me? Say amen. amen. Guys, I want y'all to look. Brother Chris, is that you back there? Okay. I, I look up. Uh, uh, I had it marked here, and I, I, didn't, I didn't send it to you. And uh, 
Look up Exodus 25, verse 8. Exodus 25, verse 8. And if you have a Bible, which you should have a Bible, uh, if you come in the Bible study, it would help to have a Bible. Say amen. amen. But if you have one, you can turn there to Exodus chapter number. But I'm glad you're here whether you got a Bible or not. So don't let that hold you up. Amen. Just come anyway. Uh, we'll throw it up on the screen uh, if we can have that. Uh, uh, they're looking it up. Exodus 25 in verse number 8. I'll read that. All right, we got it up there. Now, this is, this is God speaking to the, uh, uh, to the children of Israel, primarily to Moses. Uh, when they came out of Egypt, when they came out of Egypt, they're at Mount Sinai. And, and, and this is very important that you read this, okay? This is very important. Uh, especially when we get to the end of the lesson, it's going to make a whole lot more sense. Look what it says right here. And let them make me a... That what? That I may dwell among them. This is God speaking, y'all. Okay? I want you to make a place where I can come and dwell among the people. Now, that's, that's, that's really important for you to get that. Uh, because it'll help you understand all the ceremonial things that they had to do, like the sprinkling of the blood, the purging, the washings, all of these things. Listen, it was so God could come and dwell among them. A, watch this, watch this, a holy God being able to dwell among unholy people. So there were things that were required there were purgings that were required. There was cleansings and ceremonial things that was required so that, so that they could have a sanctuary so that. Now, now, you say, why, why are we making such a big deal about that? All right, that is, the Old Testament tabernacle was so God could come down. All right, they, they sprinkled with blood. They did all the things that they did. Well, we're gonna learn at the end that, that Christ went to heaven, and do you realize, now I can understand the, th the things on this earth being corrupt because they're earthly, but why would Christ have to sprinkle his blood on the, on the sanctuary just like Moses did in the wilderness? Why would Christ have to do it up there if, if everything up there is perfect? Here, God did it so he could, there so we could, Are y'all with me? So, so it's big. It's big. All these things are big. So keep that in mind. Right, matter of fact, write the address to that somewhere on your notes so you'll have that later uh, uh, when you share this with your grandchildren. <clears throat> Let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell among. Now, we know that the earth is God's footstool, right? And we know that, 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 that you know, a, a tent is not going to contain him. He's everywhere at the same time. He's omnipresent. But this was a place where his manifest presence was there and evident and available. Are y'all with me? Amen. Now, let's, let's go to our notes. First of all, why was it inferior? Why, why was it inferior? Why was the old, the old covenant sanctuary that they built in the wilderness, why was it inferior? Well, number one, number one, verse, chapter 9, verse 1. 
Then verily the first covenant had also ordinances of divine service and a worldly sanctuary. The reason it was inferior, A, it was an earthly sanctuary. Say, why does that make it inferior? How many of y'all know anything on this earth, planet, or anything is decaying? It's made out, nothing's eternal about it. They had to make repairs to it. Stuff, hello, it's earthly. I I read something one time, I don't know how true it is, it may just be something somebody printed, but uh, uh, the, the scientists have said that you begin to die the day you're born. It's amazing. Everything on this earth, Peter said it well, is passing away. It's passing away. You know, it's, 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 it's everything decays here. And so this was going to pass away. There, by the way, you say, how do you know that? Because there is no tabernacle right now in existence. It was temporary. It was earthly. All right? So it's inferior because it was earthly. It was an earthly sanctuary. Then B, it was just a type of something greater. Look what it says in verse 2. For there was a tabernacle made, the first wherein was the candlestick and the table and the showbread, which is called the sanctuary. And after the second veil, the tabernacle, which is called the holiest of all, which had a golden censer. And the ark of the covenant overlaid round about the gold, wherein was the golden pot that had manna, and Aaron's rod that budded in the tables of the covenant. And over it the cherubims of glory shadowing the mercy seat, of which we cannot now speak particularly. All right? Now, if I can have my picture, Brother, Brother Barnes, if you can put my picture up there, and, and we'll, hopefully it's, it, it's a, it can be a help to us. All right? <clears throat> this part out here is the outer court. The outer court. Now, I'm going to get you a better picture next time where you can see the, the, uh, the altar, uh, the, the brazen altar where they would come and they would burn the sacrifices you would find that first, and then you would go to the laver. The laver was the big, I'm, if, if you can imagine a big gold hot tub. It's not really a hot tub, but a big tub of water uh, uh, that they would use for the cleansing and the washings and all of that. So you have the altar, uh, then you have uh, 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 the, the, the laver, and then you come into the first area, this, this area right here. This is, this is the, 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 the sanctuary, and then the, the, you go behind this veil, and this is the Holy of Holies. Now, do y'all see this cloud? Yes. Amen. I asked Brother Craig Edwards one time. I said, could they see that on the outside of the tent? He said, son, I believe they could see it for miles. During the day, there was this pillar of a cloud which represented the presence of God. When the cloud moved, they moved. When the cloud stopped, they stopped. And it was replaced, it was replaced by a pillar of fire at night. Are y'all with me? Which, which both represent the presence of God. Now keep in mind, if you really, if you really, I mean, these are some small, some people might think insignificant details. But you have a cloud during the day. It's very, very hot during the day. So a cloud would be great for the sun. But then at night in the desert, a lot of people don't know this, but it gets freezing cold. 
and, and they have a fire. God's taking care of his people, you know? So anyway, anyway, let's, let's walk into the, let's walk into the sanctuary and they, 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 we see the altar. I know y'all can't see this on the screen. Maybe not, but the altar is going to be out here somewhere. Then we have the laver and then we, we, we walk in, we walk in as we come in on our right hand side will be the table of showbread, the table of showbread. Uh, there would be 12 loaves of bread, 12 loaves of bread, uh, a loaf for each of the tribes of Israel. Okay. This was also called the bread of presence, the bread of presence, right? Which represented the presence of God and God's presence sustaining his people. All right. On, on the Sabbath day, on the Sabbath day, uh, the priests that are serving in this area, you remember the, the, the designated priest can come in here, but over here, only the high priest once a year. Y'all remember that? Say amen. amen. Now, when the priests are doing their daily, they're, they're coming in here every day. They got to keep this, make sure this is burning uh, the, twice a day in the morning and the evening. They'll put incense on this altar. Uh, uh, so, so they're serving all the time in here. D- do y'all notice where, what, what's not in there? There's no, there's no chairs. There's no couches. There's no seats. There's nowhere to sit because your work is not done. Amen. Y'all are, y'all are learning. You're keeping it and remembering it. Thank you, Lord. All right. The priest would come in on the Sabbath day. On the Sabbath day, they would replace this table of bread with 12 new loaves, 12 fresh loaves. They would take the other 12 and they would eat it. They would eat it, but you could only eat it in the sanctuary. You could only eat it in the sanctuary. And, and that was a type of fellowship with God. What did, and, and, and we know who's the bread of life? Jesus. So, so this bread is a type of Jesus Christ that's coming. Now, what did Jesus say? Well, what does bread have to do with fellowship? Well, what did Jesus say in the book of Revelation? I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and will open the door, I will come in and sup with him. That means fellowship by eating. Sup with him and he with me. So God wants to fellowship with his people. Are y'all with me? So this represents fellowship. Represents fellowship in the presence of God. It represents Christ, the bread of life, the bread of life. All right. On the other side, we have the the golden lampstand, the golden lampstand. Now there was no natural light allowed in the in the sanctuary. In other words, uh, you couldn't have anything. It had to come from the lampstand. Now, what does that represent? We know Jesus is the light of the world, so it's a, it's a type of Christ as the light of the world, but it's, it's even more significant than that. When you, when, you, uh, uh, when you go to the book of Revelation, you'll find the lamps burning, seven lamps representing the, 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 the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, right? And, and this is seven Seven lamps here on this, and it's representing the presence of the Holy Spirit. Now, watch this. Watch this. No natural light allowed, only the presence and and the ability of the Holy Spirit. 
What does that have to do with a church? What does that have to do with modern day? Well, if you go to Revelation, you'll find out that uh, the Laodicean, the Laodicean, no, excuse me, not the Laodicean, the church of Ephesus, the church of Ephesus had grown cold, right? They were once on fire for God. They were once a, a soul winning station. They were once wide open for the Lord, but they had left their Left their first love. So what God say? He said, remember from whence thou art fallen. Repent and do thy first works. In other words, if you want to, it's easy to remember. It's three R's. Remember, repent, and return. Remember, repent, and return. If you've lost your first love, uh, if, 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 ladies and gentlemen, if, y'all ain't, if you're husband and wife, you're not as in love as you used to be, remember the way it was. Then Repent. With God and with each other. And then return. Go do what you did in the very beginning that made it wonderful. Are y'all with me? He said, remember from whence thou art fallen. Repent and do thy first words. Or else, or else I will come unto thee quickly and remove thy candlestick out of his place. Now what is he saying there? He's saying, church, If you ain't careful and not get back to where you're supposed to be, I will come and remove the candlestick, which is a representation of the presence of the Holy Spirit. And you know what? There's tons of churches that are still operating every Sunday, and they have no idea. Watch this. They're operating not in the power of the Holy Spirit, but in their natural abilities. They're still singing. They're still teaching. They're still preaching. It's dead as four o'clock, dry as cracker juice. Because there's no presence of the Holy Spirit. Are y'all with me? Now, I'm going to tell you this. I'm going to tell you this. Y'all might not have ever heard of cracker juice before, but that's dry. Man, I don't want to be in a church that's dry. Man, if there's anything we need, we need the presence of the Holy Spirit. We need his power. We need his touch. We need his anointing. (laughs) I'm going to go ahead and say it. I was in it. Most of y'all know, most of y'all know, we've made made adjustments along the way here and there. And, and, you know, we're, we're not afraid. We're not afraid. If the horse is dead, we take the saddle off. We ain't afraid to fix it. We ain't afraid to stop it. We ain't afraid to change it. If it ain't working, let's get something. Let's do. And, and we've made, we made some adjustments. I was preaching. I was preaching in a church in, uh, uh, in, I believe it was Florida. And I went down there, and this was not long after we had made some of the adjustments we were making. And, man, God was blessing it. Uh, our church was growing. There was excitement. There was mo- uh, momentum. And, uh, and, and, and I was sitting in the, in the, in the Sunday school class, uh, the main auditorium Sunday school class, and this guy uh, was teaching this, and he was just ripping and, and, and rip snorting every, almost everything we were doing here at Temple. He was, he was uh, why this is wrong and that's wrong and this is wrong and that's wrong. And, and man, I'm sitting here, I'm like, hmm, obviously he's not watched our services online. Uh, and and I, 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 started, I started second guessing myself and like, hmm. 
Maybe, maybe, maybe we shouldn't be, you know, doing this and that and then, and then get in there and preach the service. And I'm telling you what, I'm telling you, you couldn't get a holy grunt out of nobody. It was the deadest service. Just the, it was terrible. It was terrible. I, the, the, listen, the only thing I was looking to hear was, in Jesus' name, amen. All I wanted to hear was the dismissal prayer so I could, anyway, get out of there. I'm on the way back. This is the, this is the God's truth, y'all. This, this is the God's truth. Tammy was unspiritual. She didn't go to church that morning, stayed at the motel. So I'm, I'm going to pick her up. And I'm sitting there, and, I, and I'm, I'm, I'm telling you, I'm second-guessing myself because everything I heard was about how, how wrong we were for doing what we were doing. And, and not, nothing biblical, by the way. No, no, no chapter and verse for nothing, just basically opinion and preference. And the Holy Spirit got in the car with me. That don't happen often, but it has happened. And he said, so you're wondering about them changes you've made, huh? I said, well, you know, I mean, yeah, just, you know. Y'all know when you're talking to God, you ain't got no answer. Well, kind of, yeah, I was kind of thinking that. He said, well, what do you think of their service? I said, I didn't think much about it. <clears throat> Well, he said, if you want what they have, then do what they do. If you want what you got right now, you keep doing what I tell you to do. Yes, sir. And you know, that's what we've been doing. Because let me tell you something. Let Let me tell you what's more important than somebody's preferences, somebody's opinion, is that right there. Are y'all with me? Now, 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 we move past the candlestick. Jesus said, I'm the light of the world. When he left and went back to heaven, he said, now, now, ye are the light. That's you, by the way. Y'all forget that chapter? While he was here, he said, I am the light of the world. But when he left, he said, a, 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 a candle or a city set on a hill cannot be hit. Neither do men light a candlestick and put it under a... No. He said, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Say amen. amen. And by the way, by the way, Israel, Israel was supposed to be the light to the world. And they failed. They failed. Now, now we move past. We move past the golden candlestick. Man, we're spending too much time here. We got to hurry. See, this is what happens. Y'all get me on a picture. You know, this is a picture makes this happen. We have the altar of incense. <clears throat> the altar of incense. Two times a day. Two times a day, a priest would come in and put incense, put incense on that altar, and it would be a sweet smelling savor. And it would be like a cloud of incense going up. And that was a type of their prayers going up to God. Listen, if you don't think your prayers are important, think again. 
Because in God's nostrils, your prayers are a sweet-smelling savor. Now, what does this have to do with Jesus? What does this have to do with Jesus? The Bible says he's up there, what for us? Interceding. His prayers are going up. Well, really, they're not really going up for you. They're going over for you. Because <clears throat> he's at the right hand of the Father. Are y'all with me? Y- y'all, y'all totally missed that one. Y'all totally. You know, okay, the cloud's going up. G's at the right hand of the Father going over, right? <sighs> y'all a tough crowd, man, I'm telling you. All right? This is representing, this is representing Christ's prayers going up for you on your behalf. Now, now, one time a year, one time a year, and by the way, before the, before the high priest, before the high priest could go into the, the Holy of Holies, he had to take coals from that altar right here, this, this altar of incense. There would be hot coals right here. And he would take it and he would put incense on it and, and, and the incense had to fill the incense had to fill this compartment before he could go in to protect him from the Shekinah glory of God. Very, very, very significant. This is a, this is a big deal right here. All right. Then we have the, the Ark of the Covenant. The Ark of the Covenant. We have the cherubims on each side. Now, what are those cherubims for? You know, when we look in Revelation chapter number 4, I think it's, chapter, it's either chapter 4 or 5 where we see the four beasts around the throne crying day and night. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, which was and is and is to come, right? Now, they are guardians of God's glory. A cherubim was outside of the garden and, and, and keeping keeping sinful man away from the tree of life. And what was he saying? Stop. Don't come any closer. Now, what are these angels doing? They're saying, stop. Don't come any closer. The glory of the Lord would consume any human. They're protecting the glory of the Lord. Now, inside of the, uh, and on the top, on the top is the mercy seat. On the top is the mercy seat where the high priest would sprinkle the blood on the mercy seat. Now, watch this. This is going to be cool. Inside, inside, we have the, 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 the law, the commandments, right? The two tables of, of the law. And then we have the pot of manna, the pot of manna to remind people of God's provision for them through the wilderness. Then we have Aaron's rod that budded. You say, what was Aaron's rod that budded? Uh, There was a time that there was a group of people came against Aaron and and Moses and said, we're holy too. You're taking too much upon yourself. We can be priests too. And and keep in mind, uh, they didn't like the way Moses led. They didn't like the way he fed and they didn't like what he said. And the Bible says God opened up the earth. This is Cor and all his buddies opened up the earth and swallowed them alive down into hell. Be careful what you say against God's man. That's a serious deal. Well, they complained about it. The rest of, rest of Israel blamed Moses 
for God doing this supernatural event, unbelievable. And so what God said, he said, I want you to get one leader from every single tribe, one leader from every single tribe, and I want you to put their, the name of that leader and that tribe on that, on that staff, and I want you to bring them in the sanctuary. And he said, the next day you'll know who the priest is supposed to be. You'll know who I've chosen. Well, the next day they went and picked up Aaron with the tribe of Levi's staff, and it had blossomed. It had budded, and it had, it had mature almonds. When's the last time y'all seen that? I mean, y'all act like that's not a big deal. A staff, a dead staff, just a stick. Y'all with me? And the next day, it had flowers and blooms and almonds. God was confirming. God was confirming. All right, so all of that's here. This represents the throne of God on this earth. And watch this now. <laughs> What's inside there? The law that man broke. But when the high priest sprinkled the blood on the mercy seat, God didn't see the broken law. He saw the shed. Somebody shout, please. Somebody say, man. Is that, I'm telling you, I got God bumps a hog bite on my neck right now. Amen. Yes, Lord. Anyway, anyway, we got 17 minutes to finish this, all right? Here we go. We'll, we'll, we'll come back to that. Uh, it was a type of something greater. See, it was inaccessible to the people. Now, you remember what we're talking about? We're talking about the inferiority of the old sanctuary. It was an earthly sanctuary, so it was subject to decay. It was a type of something greater. It wasn't, it was a copy of the real thing. It wasn't even the real legitimate thing. It was just a type. It was a type, a copy. This is, this is a big deal. It was inaccessible to the people. Look what it says in verse 6. Now, when these things... When these things were thus ordained, the priests went always into the first tabernacle, accomplishing the service of God. But into the second, y'all, <clears throat> get that picture up, Brother Barnes. Right? All this here, they, they could go in on a regular basis. Every day they would be in here serving. Every day they'd be in here serving. But they could only go in here once a year. Now watch what it says about it. But into the second, this would be the first, this would be the second, okay? Into the second went the high priest, what? Alone. Alone. What, what, what does that mean? It means you couldn't go. The common person did not have access to God. And even the high priest, in the little access he did have, he was scared to death the whole time that he's going to die before he got out of there. So there wasn't a peaceful experience or a peaceful access to God. Amen? Now watch. It was inaccessible to people. 
Then D, verse 8, verse 8. The Holy Ghost is signifying that the way into the holiest of all was not yet made manifest while as the first tabernacle was standing. So it was temporary. It says it was not yet, not yet. And if it's not yet, it's coming. All right? It was temporary. The, the tabernacle was temporary. And then E, its ministry was external, not internal. Write that down. Nine and ten. The Holy Ghost signifying, verse eight, the Holy Ghost signifying that the way into the holiest of all was not yet made manifest, while as the first tabernacle was yet standing which was a figure, remember, that word, that's type, pattern, figure, all the same, uh, for the time then present, in which were offered both gifts and sacrifices that could not make him that did the service what? Perfect or complete, finished, all right? As pertaining to the... Conscience. Now, where's your conscience, on the outside or inside? Inside. inside. What's he saying? He's saying the ceremonies could make the outside clean, but it couldn't do nothing for the inside. inside. It could make you acceptable to God. You could purify the flesh because we talk about the red heifer, right? They would take a red heifer. They would sacrifice the red heifer, burn till there's nothing but ashes, take the ashes and mix in other ingredients there, and then they would use that uh, uh, and mix it with uh, spring water. All right, and if you, let's just say, let's just say one of your relatives died and you were in the tent with them when they died and you were holding them when they took their last breath, you were unclean. You were considered ceremonially, I can't even say the word, ceremonially unclean. So you could not offer a pa or take part in the Passover meal, all right? because you were considered unclean. And there were various other things that would cause you to be unclean. So they had it, God set up a way, God set up a way to use the ashes and mix with the, mix with the uh, uh, spring. spring water and then wash you, uh, sprinkle you, and it ceremonially, it would cause you to be acceptable or clean before God, acceptable to God. Now, and it was, it was just external. It was just the outside. But guess what? You knew your guilt. You still had that consciousness of failure and guilt. Are y'all with me? Now, look what it says. It was, it was, it could not make the offerer perfect as pertaining to the conscience which stood only in meats and drinks and divers washings and carnal, meaning fleshly, outside, fleshly ordinances imposed on them until the time of reformation, all right? So that was, it only helped the outside, not the inside. Amen. The sacrifices offered and the blood applied to the mercy seat could never change the heart or the conscience of a worshiper. All of the ceremonies associated with the tabernacle had to do with ceremonial purity and not moral purity. They were carnal ordinances or fleshly that pertained to the outer man, 
but could not change the inner man. That's why it was inferior. It was an earthly sanctuary. It was a type of something greater. It was inaccessible to the people. It was temporary. Its ministry was external and not internal. Now let's, let's roll through this real quickly. All right, now we're going to see the superiority of the heavenly sanctuary. The heavenly sanctuary. Man, I want to get to the bottom of this page. We, 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 we got to hurry. The five deficiencies of the old covenant sanctuary are matched with the five superiorities of the new covenant. And every way, the present sanctuary is superior. Let's see. Let's see. Verse 1 says that the old one is earthly is worldly. Look what it says in verse 11. It says, but Christ. From verses 1 through 10, we've been dealing with the earthly one. We've been dealing with the carnal one. We've been dealing with the external one. But in verse number 11, but Christ being come a high priest of good things to come by a greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is to say, not of this building. In other words, man didn't build it, God did. So the old sanctuary was earthly, made by man. The, the heavenly sanctuary, it is a heavenly sanctuary made by, made by God, all right? Made by God. It is superior because it's heavenly. It's heavenly. But then, B, verse number 12 through 15. Let's read. Neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood he entered in once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. For if the blood of bulls and of goats and the ashes of a heifer, I explained that to you a while ago, the ashes of ever sprinkling the unclean sanctifieth to the purifying of the flesh, just outward ceremony. How much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, purge your what? Conscience from dead works to serve a living God. And for this cause, he is the mediator of the New Testament that by means of death for the redemption of the transgressions that were under the first testament, they which are called might receive the promise of internal inheritance. What do we see here? Not only is the heavenly sanctuary superior because it is heavenly, but B, its ministry is effective in dealing with sin. Amen. Its ministry is effective to deal with sin. We have a series of contrasts in these verses. Verse 12, there's a contrast between animal sacrifices and Christ's sacrifice. Listen, it wasn't an animal that went into the Holy of Holies in heaven. It wasn't animal blood that was taken to the Holy of Holies in heaven. It was the blood of the Lamb of God which taketh away the sins of the world. The perfect, unblemished, unspotted, perfect Lamb of God. There was a contrast between ceremonial cleansing and a conscience cleansing. 
You see, they could bring their sacrifice and, and they could take the ashes and mix it with the spring water and, and, and sprinkle themselves and, and, and God was willing to accept them, but there was still guilt in the heart. The conscience wasn't changed. It wasn't changed on the inside, only on the outside. And God was willing to accept them because they followed through with what he said to do. But when Jesus saves somebody, he saves them from the inside out. He takes their conscience. Listen, God forgives you all the way through. He forgives you and he washes you wide and clean and he gives peace in your heart. Listen, that old guilty conscience, he said, preacher, I still feel guilty. That's the devil condemning you, but there is now no condemnation on them that are believing in Christ. Those that are following the, the Lord, the Spirit, I promise you, you can have a clear conscience doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter where you've been. doesn't matter what you've done. The blood of Christ is powerful enough to wipe and purge. And by the way, purge, I looked it up. And, 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 and really, it gives a connotation of, I'm not, I don't want to be too graphic here, but I'm just going to say two words, castor oil. And I'm going to use one more word, cleansing. God has the ability to cleanse you, purge you, clear you. You say, preaching, my friends still know what I've done. You're cleansed. You're cleansed. That's why it's superior. How much more? I love that phrase. How much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works. Why? So you have the ability to what? Serve the living God. Hallelujah. Look here. Let's hurry. Temporal blessings versus eternal blessings. So why was there temporary? Because he said, if you, then I will. If you don't, Curse, 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 curse. It was temporary. So how do you know it was temporary? Because they were. Come on, help, help me, Griggs. Curse, 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 curse. <coughs> they went into captivity, by the way. Listen, hurry, hurry, hurry. Oh, I got to get this last part. Let, let, let me just, let me go through these faster. So y'all fill in the blanks, all right? It's heavenly, it's ministry is effective to deal with sin. See, it's ministry is based on a costly sacrifice. From verse 16, we see that Jesus had to die. Why? In order for a will to go into effect, a, a, test, a testament is basically a last will and testament. For where a testament is, verse 16 there must also be of necessity be the death of a testator. For a testament is a force after men are dead. Otherwise, it has no strength at all while the testator lives. In other words, if you, have, if you have a relative and they have you in their will, it doesn't matter. You cannot be a beneficiary of the will until the person who wrote the will dies. Are you all with me? And so that's what he's trying to get us to understand. That covenant is that will. Jesus had to die for it. It cost Jesus his life. Yeah. 
for you to have a new covenant. Whereupon the, neither the first testament was dedicated without blood. For when Moses had spoken every precept to all the people according to the law, he took the blood of calves and of goats and of, with water and scarlet wool and hyssop and sprinkled both the book and all the people, all the people to cleanse, sanctify them, to, to make them ceremonially clean, saying, this is the blood of the testament which God hath enjoined unto you. Moreover, he sprinkled with blood both the tabernacle and all the vessels of the ministry. And almost all things are uh, by the law purged with blood. And without shedding of blood is no what? Remission. No remission. It was therefore necessary. And by the way, by the way, Jewish people now have kind of changed up the rules and instead of offering an animal sacrifice like God commanded to them if they were going to really follow the law, they are using their good works as a sacrifice. There's only one problem with that. Without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sin. Are y'all with me? Now, it was therefore necessary that the patterns of things in the heavens should be purified with these, but the heavenly things themselves with better sacrifices than these. Christ is not entered into the holy place made with hands. Now, now, now watch, now watch. God gave them the pattern. God gave them the tabernacle. God gave them everything. But before they could operate and use it, before the people had to be prepared he said, make me a sanctuary so I can. So they had to be sprinkled. The tabernacle had to be sprinkled. The law, the, the, the book of the law had to be sprinkled. The commandments had to be sprinkled. The altar had to be sprinkled. All of it had to be purified so that. But it says here that. Not by the blood of bulls and goats, but by his own blood, he went and he sprinkled that. Why? So that y'all get that? Yes. There's a lot more. There's a lot more deeper water there, but some of y'all got your floaties on. We won't, we'll just leave that right there. Its ministry is based on a costly sacrifice. Its ministry represents fulfillment, meaning it's not a copy. It's the real thing. Look what it says in verse 24. For Christ is not entered into the holy places made with hands, talking about the earthly tabernacle, which are the figures. It's just the copy. It's just the pattern. It's just the type. Where Jesus went is the fulfillment of what the type given in the Old Testament. Then E, its ministry is final and complete. Verses 25 through 28. Let me just read 28, and and I want to read this, this part down here. So Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many, and unto them that look for him shall he appear the second time without sin unto salvation. How many times did Christ die? How many times did he offer his blood? One time. It's done. 
is completed. He's seated at the right hand of the Father. Now, I want you to skip down in your notes. I want you to get this. There's, there's some more comparisons of the Old Covenant and New Covenant. You can read that later, but I want you to read this. In short, the work of Christ is a completed work, final and eternal. Final and eternal. Underline that. On the basis of his completed work, he is ministering now in heaven on our behalf. Watch this. Did you notice that the word appear is used three times from Hebrews 9, 24 through 28? These three uses give us a summary of our Lord's work. In Hebrews 9, 26, he appeared to put away sin by dying on the cross. In Hebrews 9, 24, he is appearing now in heaven for us, ministering, uh, uh, interceding. One day, he shall appear to take all Christians home, Hebrews 9, 28. So he appeared to die for me. He's appearing right now, serving, ministering for me, interceding for me. And then one day, he's going to appear to come and retrieve me. Say amen. But here's the deal. Here's where I want you to get. We're done. We're going to quit and pray and run out of here. Amen? Amen. Watch this. Why, 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 why is this such a big deal? Why is this, this heavenly sanctuary? Why, is he, why did he dedicate a whole chapter to talk about the, the, the sanctuary that's in heaven? Why, why is that so important? The one on earth was a type. It was a pattern. Of, it was a copy of what's in, the, the, the legit real deal in heaven. So why, 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 would he, why would he focus on that? Why would he spend a whole chapter to talk about that? Well, look, the believer's sanctuary is in heaven. His father is in heaven. His savior is in heaven. His citizenship is in heaven. And his treasure should be his hope is in heaven. The true believer walks by faith, not by sight. No matter what happens on earth, a believer can be confident because everything is settled. Watch this now. Watch this. Colossians 3, 1. Let's let's finish with this. If ye, look as your neighbor said, ye is he. If ye then be risen with Christ, now, see that? Everybody can't say that in here. I know in a crowd this size, there's somebody lost in here. But you can be saved. But if you are saved, watch what it says. If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Watch this now. Everybody read it real loud. Set your affection on things above. Stand up a minute. Keep that verse in your head. Come on, stand up quick, 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 because I'm four minutes over time. Some of you guys in here are so wigged out because of what's happening here on this earth. The economy, the election, the border, the wars. I mean, we're just, I see Christians losing their minds. Because all their investment is down here. 
and all their affection is. When's the last time you just focused on heaven and thought about heaven? I promise you this. Everything might not be all right in the White House. Everything might not be all right in the State House. Everything might not be all right at my house. But everything's all right in the Father's house. Let's give him praise and glory.